Um, I'm not really sure exactly what you guys do. Maybe tell me a little bit. We just like to have conversations with people. Um, you never know how much you don't, you never realize how much you don't know until you talk to somebody that knows a lot about something or just talk to somebody <laughs> in general. Um, yes. Cause I think everybody has a story to tell. Yes, I totally agree. I love that. And it's like funny. I said, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing. We, I live in a city where we have a fairly high homeless population and it is so interesting if you can just take the time to sit and have a conversation with one of these people. You yeah. find out so many interesting things. There's this video I saw on Instagram. I'm sure everybody's probably seen it, but there's this guy he's talking and basically he's saying that people don't treat him like a human because he's homeless. And he's like, I'm still a human at the end of the day. You know, he's like, it takes a lot for him to go out there and, and ask for change or ask for, you know, stuff. And, you know, there are people sometimes that take advantage of people that do that. Like they act like they're less fortunate when they're not possibly, but, um, they're still a person. So you should just treat people with respect or just say, Hey, I don't have anything right now. If you know, but right. you don't have to be an asshole to somebody just because they're in a lesser position than you are at the moment. Cause they say most people are a couple of paychecks away from being homeless, especially in this yeah. day and age. Yeah, it's very true. And that's why I think it's so interesting. Uh, there was a lady that had come in to, I work at Lululemon just for a couple of days a week, just to, I love it. That's the basics of it. I just love it. Yeah. So and I to meet a lot of great people. And she'd come in one day in a hospital paper hospital top with no pants on. And the top was long enough that it covered, you know, just barely, but it did cover. And she was asking for a pair of pants. And I have, if I'm being really honest, my first reaction was, wow, she's got balls. Like to come into Lululemon and ask for clothes. That's yeah. That's a little ballsy. Yeah. But then after she left, uh, my heart kind of sank and I was like, gosh, that's really brave that she is in the position she's in and she has the bravery to come into a store where people would clearly judge her and ask for clothes. I mean, we didn't have anything to give her, but I'd made it my, you know, it was my mission that if I saw her again, I wanted to know more about her story. And sure enough, one day I was walking and that intuitive voice said, turn around and go back. And as soon as I turned around, she was sitting on a bench right in front of me. And I was able to go over and speak with her. And turns out she's, uh, she's got some mental issues, but she was a nurse and she got to the area. Don't really know exactly how, but she doesn't have any family here. She has some medical conditions and she, I mean, she is in pretty bad physical shit. Like the way she looked was pretty, you know, Hard to, it was hard to look at. Her teeth were in bad shape. Her hair's in bad shape. She, she doesn't appear clean. Um, and yet she's smiling from ear to ear. And she's talking as if absolutely nothing's wrong. And I said, You're, you just seem so happy. And she's like, what's there not to be happy about? I'm alive. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's, that'll teach a lot of people who have m- more money than they know what to do with. That would teach them some things, actually. Yeah, that's very true. Like they always say, like money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does buy you freedom. But right, there are a lot of people that have a lot of money who are miserable as fuck. You know, it's just like yeah. um, there's a lot of people like you just like celebrities end up killing themselves you, on the outside looking in. 
it looks like their life is perfect, but um, obviously there's something going on mentally with them or they're just not happy. And sometimes they choose, you know, to take themselves out. But that lady is right. Like if you're alive, that is one of the best gifts you get every single day. Right. Because you can do anything with your life. If you have oxygen running yeah. in and out of your, your heart's beating and your blood's pumping, you can make that day whatever you want. There's the limits are only up to you. So how did you get started with your page? And like, what's the main focus of your, your profile? Um, well, it's funny. I, a little bit of a backstory. I was a stay-at-home mom, um, two kids, and just kind of thought for myself, I wanted to do something to try to get in the best physical shape that I could. Uh, and then I just kind of put my hands to several things. I've ran marathons. I did... Um, mud runs. I ultimately I decided to try to do some weights. I did some of that, and had someone ask me if I had ever competed because I was in good shape. I said no. She said I'm going to compete. You should do it with me. I decided to do it with her. She had a trainer, and so she's like, "You can just we'll just work out together, and I'll just share my workout. We'll do my workouts." And as we did that, she started showing me, you know, the diet that he had her on and all of these extra pills and things that she was taking. And I just thought, God, if this is what you got to do in order to look good, I don't know that this is for me. Uh, I didn't mind the exercising, but chicken and vegetables and broccoli and all these pills that she was taking just did not seem healthy. My thought was, if God created everything on this earth, then it should all be good for us in some way. So I started doing research and found Dr. Lane Norton, who is a biophysiologist, and he did uh, all natural bodybuilding, but he also studied a lot to do with the metabolic rate and how your diet affects that. And so I decided I was just going to wing it and, and go with what I learned. And I won, I won the competition that I did. It was my very first one ever doing it. And based on what I had learned and what I had utilized, it served me well. So I competed again using the same techniques. And again, I was successful and I won not just in my height class, but my age class, and then overall in all of the classes as well. And I say that not to brag, but that's how that's how great the results were from eating real food, burgers and steaks and pizzas and ice cream and, you know, all the stuff that you love, but just in moderation mm-hmm. and uh, recognizing what your metabolic rate is and how it affects you. Um, it was more than just having a good physical body. It, it changed my life. Like I, for the first time in my life, felt like I was in complete control of my life. Uh, which is so weird because it was just my physical body, but something about that gave me so much confidence and I never had dealt with anxiety or depression. And then I went through a divorce in 2018 after 26 years together. And that will put you in a place that you've never been before, which was not fun and kind of let go of some of my routine because I was in survival mode between that. And I had had a head head injury as well. And even through the three years of recovering, 
I mean, I could still work out a little bit, but I couldn't really track my macros. I kind of just used the knowledge that I had about getting enough protein, trying to stay within my allotted calories based on what I knew, not necessarily tracking them. And after three years, my body didn't do much changing. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. I'm working out half as much. Um, but just based on what I know my metabolic rate is doing, I'm still maintaining my results. This is something to, you know, really be excited about. And then just realizing how all of that kind of played together and could really change the lives of other people in the way that it changed mine. I just wanted to share it. That's really awesome. Yeah. So it kind of started as a hobby and then it's, it's really interesting how you, start something because you want to help people. And then ultimately it becomes a business, not so much that it was intentionally going to be a business, but you can provide free content for people all day long, but people still want that individual kind of guidance Mm -hmm. and they're willing to pay you for the experience and wisdom that you have in order to get it. And so I thought, well, this is kind of perfect because it's not like working. It's like doing what I love and being able to make a living at it. And that's kind of how it all evolved. So have you built like a community now? I would say, um, I mean, you know, the followers are growing and, you know, I, I have tried to incorporate not not just your physical body, but also your mental journey through this life as well. Cause it all kind of comes together. I have a saying that I use, to keep me grounded, which is every day you're going to live with some sort of a pain. It's either going to be the pain of regret or the pain of discipline. Mm. Um, and you choose, and you know, I'm all about doing what you love, you know, don't do something you don't love, but also recognize that sometimes your body doesn't love getting up and moving, but you go with the feeling, not necessarily the feeling of what it is to get up and work out, but how it makes you feel when you're finished. Yeah. So we all know that getting off the couch to go do a workout sometimes is like pulling our teeth. But once you're in that gym and you've got your music going and you're pushing weights or you're doing whatever exercise, you feel like a million bucks. And when it's done, it's like you just won a war with your own mind and you've conquered the day. Anything after that is just a bonus. So just trying to help people recognize that getting their body up and moving doesn't necessarily have to look like an hour in the gym five days a week. I personally am competing again next month and my workouts are still, you know, four days a week, 30 minutes a day, and that's it. Um, And the results, you know, I, I know how to use my diet to adjust my body fat. So that helps too, but it doesn't take killing yourself for hours every day or even every week in order to get in good physical health. It's just about getting up, getting your body moving and um, finding that journey for yourself, whatever that looks like. It's different for everyone. Yeah. I would imagine that like it would just teach you discipline. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we have so there's so many don't eat this eat that. Don't do cardio, do cardio, lift heavy, lift lights, do high reps, do low reps. You have to do high intensity intervals. You have to fast. You can't eat carbs. You have to, you know, there's so many things, but the truth of the matter is our brains 
they are the CPUs of our body. They're the central processing unit. They control everything. So what you have to do is find what resonates for you. I'm a big proponent of counting macros and building lean muscle mass only because I'm a science girl and the science backs it up. I want to see, I want to see what science says, and then I'm a believer and all of the science proves it. However, not everyone's convinced. So it doesn't matter how much I believe it. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to get the results that I get simply because you're going to be working hard without the same faith in the process you're doing. If you don't have faith in what you're doing, it's going to stress you out. You're going to be looking for results that you really don't believe you're going to get anyways. You're going to create all these stress hormones and it's just going to hinder the process. So although I don't do keto, I don't do fasting, I don't do a ton of cardio. Those are not things that serve me well. If it's something that someone believes is going to get them to their results, then I say, go for it. And your journey will evolve as you get into it. You just have to get there. You just have to start somewhere. And once you start, we all have that inner guidance and it will guide you as you go through the process. But just putting one foot on the floor and making the decision to get up and do something. I don't care if you get out of the morning and decide you're just going to do 20 squats, air squats right there beside your bed before you start getting dressed. That's a step. Mm -hmm. That's more than what you were doing if you did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where like, say when you're sick, you don't think about your health until you get sick. Right. So it's like, why not take care of yourself so you don't have to get to that point? Exactly. And it's always like, oh, I have to do this. And it's like, I'm able to do this. Why am I not doing it? Instead, it's like, I guess you got to look at the language that you use when you're trying to accomplish something. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. It's it's not about a have to, it's I get to. Yeah, because there's going to be one day where your body is going to start breaking down where you can't do stuff physically that you could when you're younger. Right. I mean, we're well, all going to reach that point or you can get in an accident. You know, is there yeah. so many variables in life that can take us for a loop? Yeah, I mean, you use it or you lose it. And yeah. that's the truth with anything. I mean, if you, if you have a car and you just let it sit, things start to dry rot, you know, the, the fluids start to go bad. And then eventually the car, even if there's nothing wrong with it originally, it will start to go bad. And I, t- I used to tell my kids all the time, I tried to let them eat, you know, how they wanted to eat, but within the confines of some wisdom so that when they made the decisions, they at least had some knowledge. And it's, you know, it's just like a car, your body's like a car, you have to put gasoline in it and you don't have to put premium in it all the time. You can, you can go to the gas station and get some gas. It's not that great. It's not the best of the best and your car will still be fine. But if you put that gas in your car every single time, eventually you're going to start having issues because the car's just not meant to run on that all the time. So like for me, I'm, I love Krispy Kreme and Ben and Jerry's is one of my favorite ice cream places. So I'm not going to deprive myself of having it. I'm just going to recognize that that's not necessarily the best fuel for my body. So I will enjoy, enjoy it in moderation, but I'm not going to make meals out of it. Yeah. So like as some of the people you deal with, is it more of a mental switch to try to get them to change their ways? Or is it just um, they just need a push? Like it needs to be a complete reset or is it just kind of a nudging? It's always going to be 
individual. Every single person is different. And it's, so I actually train dogs as well. I've done that for 25 years. It's a huge passion. And it's funny how that training dogs and training people correlate. Um, every single dog is different. Every single person is different because our experiences have created who we are. And there's not one person on this world that has lived the exact experience of another person. We're all different. Mm -hmm. So I like to kind of talk to my clients, find out exactly what their background is, where their beliefs are, where their hangups are. Because if I believe in lifting weights and counting macros is going to work because it works for me, yet they believe that fasting is what works best for them. I'm not only going to have to teach them how to do macros, but I'm going to have to convince them that it's going to work better. So we already got, we already have a hurdle right there to go over. Whereas I would rather say, okay, so you've done intermittent fasting before and it worked for you. Yes, it worked. Perfect. Okay, great. Let's start there. And then let me teach you how you can incorporate that into, you know, other things and helping people recognize even like with intermittent fasting, it's, it's not that the fasting is working any better than macros counting. It's just that you are eliminating extra calories out of your day because you're only eating for a certain amount of time during the day. And Mm -hmm. it's the same with, um, Keto, it's not that keto is any better. It's just you have eliminated an entire macro group. So you've taken all those calories out because it's it's about calories in, calories out. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. People want to put a lot of spins on it. And yes, we have hormones. And I'm not going to say that those things don't affect your metabolic rate. But even still, if you once you find out what your metabolic rate is, you can work with that regardless of where it's at regardless of hormonal issues or anything like that, thyroid issues, you still have a metabolic rate. You can still find out where your metabolic rate is. You can still do things to increase that metabolic rate. It may be slower because of your condition, but we can still work with it. It's just an exact science. Once you you know, it's like anything else. If you know you have $2,000 in the bank, you know how much money you can spend before you go into debt. If your metabolic rate is working at 2000 calories a day to maintain your weight, you know that anything that you take in less than that or burn off is going to put you in a deficit, which is going to burn off fat. It doesn't matter how you accomplish that, but finding out where people are as far as where their faith is in their fitness journey and helping them start there and then helping them to grow through the process based on where their beliefs are, because, you know, if you're going to step outside of an airplane, you want to know that the parachute is working and why not start with something they know works versus, you know, Hey, step out and just completely trust me, just blindly trust me. I know you don't know anything about this process, but just believe me, you don't know me from Adam. You have no reason to trust me, but let's do that anyways. So again, just starting where they are. And then helping them grow through the process. And it's really cool to watch these people who know nothing about that process. And then slowly but surely, they start to get them. And my clients that will email me, hey, can I add this to my routine? Yes. And then slowly but surely, their wheels start to turning. And now they start getting curious about their own 
journey, they start wanting to explore different things and add different things to their journey. And then before they know it, they no longer need me because now just in their own exploration, they've kind of found things that work for them on their own and in their own individual journey. It's, it's really great. So I guess it's kind of um, a thing where you want people to eventually fly the coop. Like you don't oh, want yeah. them always under your wing all the time. Never. No, I don't. I, I guess don't. that would make you like not really a good coach. If you're always having to, nobody's progressing. Right. My goal was never, I can't say my goal was not ever to make a business out of this because, you know, they say that once you do what you love, if it's, if it's what you do for work, it's never really working. Mm -hmm. But my goal is to be like the snowball. I want to, I want every single person that I work with to become, you know, that snowball that once you drop it at the top of the hill, as it starts spinning, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And as it grows, it collects more and more and more snow. And so I thought if this is, you know, such a passion for me because it changed my life so drastically, if I can change one person's life and that person can change one person's life, then eventually, you know, if I'm changing a hundred people's lives and then each one of them are touching a hundred people, it, it just begins to expand. And so instead of having an entire society of people with body image issues and, you know, trying to morph into something that they're not having the confidence to be in charge of your body, knowing what your metabolic rate is, knowing how to work that into maintaining your body weight, to losing body fat, to gaining muscle, whatever your goals are, just giving wisdom to me, it's just an empowerment of a person to be able to have the wisdom to take and create their own journey. And it's going to be different for every person. But then when they recognize how much freedom they have, not just in their physical body, but in their mind, then they'll have the passion to do the same thing. And I tell each one of my clients like, Hey, you're going to be on the other side of this camera one day. And it might not be in a business. It may just be for your sister, or it may be your best friend or a coworker, but my goal is to give you the confidence and the wisdom that you won't need me. You will now have your own torch that you can go and light someone else's. So what are the confidence levels and the mental health of these people after they start working out consistently? It's, it's pretty impressive. They, I would say that half of the people go through the self-doubting um, phase. Like I've heard it, uh, said, what is it? Um, the imposter syndrome, you know, like with people that want to start businesses, they always feel like they're not qualified for that business. And it's funny because I see it even in people who are starting their fitness journey. It's, you know, the moment you start working out, doesn't, that's not your fitness journey. Your fitness journey starts from the day that you were born. Like you're, you learn how to walk, you learn how to crawl, you learn how to sit up and then you learn how to run. And then, you know, as we continue to grow and evolve, we take on more physical activities. And so your fitness journey is ongoing and trying to, and, you know, tell these women, like it's a journey. And if you get sick and you're out, off for a week, it's not that you fell off the wagon. You're human. It's a journey. 
but that was a week or you didn't feel well. Great. Your body had a week to rest. So now when you get back at it, you're going to be really well rested. All of your muscles are going to have time to recover. So just think of it as a recovery time. Don't beat yourself up over the things you can't control. Just recognize that it's a journey that's lifelong and it's about making good decisions in that day. And if it doesn't go as planned, don't beat yourself up and think, oh, well, I I blew it. Might as well give up. No, maybe the moment was bad. Maybe it was the day. It's okay. Just start fresh the, the next day or start fresh the next hour. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. And once you can get them past that, which is typically about three months, when they start to see the results in the mirror, which I always say, take a before picture because the scale is a liar and will not give you adequate readings on your results. Take a picture from the front, the back and the sides at the beginning. And then three months later, take another picture. Every single time they are blown away because they would have never known they had that many changes by looking at themselves every day, but comparing their first pictures to three month pictures is a drastic difference and you can clearly see it. Yeah. Cause like, uh, I think sometimes we're our worst critic. So you're always going to critique yourself uh, more than somebody else probably possibly would. And like you said, if you're looking to look in the mirror, you're, you're going to be adjusting to yourself every single day. So it's not going to really look like uh, anything's really happening. And I think sometimes people want stuff to happen overnight. It's like you didn't yeah. get to that point overnight. So why are the results going to happen overnight, too? Yes, that that's very true. And I actually had one. We have a total transformation challenge. It's a three month program. And one of my clients was brilliant enough to go to a doctor that I, I, I don't know exactly. It wasn't a regular MD, but he specializes in like um, body composition. And so she had all of her stats done before she started the total transformation challenge. And she went back for, cause she wanted to see how her body was responding. She went back six weeks after starting the program to have like a check-in and she had lost two pounds in six weeks on the scale, but she had lost 12 pounds of fat. Wow. So she had truly lost 12 pounds of fat, but only two of those pounds actually showed up on the scale because her body was recomping. So she was building muscle mass at the same time she was losing body fat. She could see a difference in the mirror, but she did what so many people do is look at the scale as the defining factor on their success. And, you know, you can get on the scale one day and weigh 150 pounds and have a large meal before bed and then get on the scale the next day and weigh four pounds more. And likely it's the food in your belly that has not been completely digested and expressed. (laughs) It's just still in there doesn't mean you've gained weight. It just means you have more food in your body than you did when you weighed yourself the day before, or you may retain more water because you had more sodium. There's so many reasons why the scale fluctuates. It's not a telltale sign of body fat loss. It's weight. Yes, but weight is not all fat. So for me, when I started my fitness journey, 
I weighed 115 pounds. Now that says like, oh my gosh, you were so small, but I'm five foot. And it was a very uh, fat laden body of 115 pounds. If you took my, my body fat off without the muscle mass, I probably would have been closer to like 90 pounds. I mean, so I, I had a good bit of body fat. But when I reached my goal, I weighed four pounds more than when I started. So I weighed 119 pounds once I got to like my ideal physical body because I had lost a decent amount of body fat, but I gained a a great deal of muscle mass. So if I had gone by the scale, I would have given up way before I got to my, the end of my journey. Not that there's an end, but to, to my goal. Uh, but thankfully I had a friend who was like, no, 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 you look great. You look great. You should keep going. I'm like, I've lost one pound. <laughs> it was three months in I'd lost one pound. And then, you know, thankfully I just kept going. I got off the scale. I just decided I didn't want to look at it again. I was just going to continue doing what I knew what I needed to do. And, um, it works. If you're willing to put in the result or put in the work, you'll get the results. Just stay off the scale because it, doesn't tell you if you're losing body fat. It only tells you the weight of your body in that moment. So do a lot of women that you've encountered or maybe just in general think that they're going to get super bulky by lifting weights and that's why they don't want to lift weights? (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, that's one of the common response or comments that I get from women is that they'll come up and they'll see me and it's a compliment. It is, but it is funny how some, it, it could not, it could be taken as not a compliment because their, their, um, comments are normally, wow, you are in really good shape. Um, I, you know, can you help me? I mean, I want to get in shape. I don't want all that. I just, mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I just want to get in shape and I get what they're saying. I do carry a lot of muscle mass for a woman, but this is what I like. And you don't necessarily have to, but I work out like a typical man does. I'm in the weights. You are going to rarely see me in the cardio section. Uh, Typically, if it's cardio for me, it's for my mental health, not for my physical body. And I do like to get my heart rate up for my heart. And I'll do that through high intensity intervals. But uh, women do have this belief that they're going to bulk up. And so then for them, they want to stay out of the weights, but there's a very intentional, you know, path for me to build this muscle mass. I'm lifting quite heavy. I'm pushing to get PRs all the time, which means I want a personal record. I want to lift heavier than I did before. I want to press more weight than I did before. I want to build more muscle mass. I like the way it looks for one. I love the fact that it helps strengthen my bones because that's an issue that women have as they get older in life. I love that it raises my metabolic rate because muscle burns three times more calories at rest than fat. So you just become this fat burning machine just simply because of putting muscle mass on your body. Um, And then I just like the way it looks. I like when I walk by the mirror or if I'm in the gym and, you know, there's a meme I saw one time and it says that, that, um, moment when you look over and you're pressing more weight than the man beside you, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, no, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. (laughs) And that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. I I remember being at the gym 
several times and I'd pick up, I'd go to pick up weights and there'd be a guy beside me and I'd pick up the weights he was coming for. <laughs> and, and it would be like this, we'd kind of laugh because he was laughing like, oh my God, she's going to, she thinks she's going to push that weight. And I'm laughing because I'm like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think it's going to get to a point where we redefine what feminine is? I think that redefining everything is happening. I think evolution just happens whether we want it to or not. I don't know that it even has to be intentional. And I don't necessarily think it has to be one way. I think that we're redefining what individuality is. Mm. Being curious and letting every single person live their life authentically without putting any boundaries or rules or regulations about what you have to look like, what you have to act like, you know, for me, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of just unconditional love. And what that means for me is do you boo. I mean, if that's what makes you happy, I'm on your team. 100%. Now, if you're doing it to make someone else happy, then you're not doing it to make you happy. And for your own sake, I would say reevaluate and find what makes you happy. But all in all, I think that if we all could just accept every single person as they are without any expectations for them to be, do, or say anything to make us happy, and then we do that for ourselves as well, find what you love, do it. As long as it's coming from a place of respect and love for the people around you, do you and don't worry about anybody else. And I think that would be, man, that would be pretty killer if we could have everybody on that same page, because then we'd no longer be living our lives for others and we wouldn't expect others to live their lives for us. So do you think like advertising causes a lot of people's insecurities? I think insecurities are personal to the individual. I think it comes from limiting beliefs. I think you can, I could advertise for my business in my figure competition suit and I could be the badass that I know that I am. Mm -hmm. And I would half the women go, Oh my God, she's a badass. I want to be just like her. And then you'd have other women go, who does she think she is flaunting herself like that? I don't want my husband looking at that. I don't, why don't she put some clothes on? You'd have other women that are like, she's too skinny. Some say she's too fat. Some say she's too short. Some say she's too tall. Everyone's going to have an opinion, but the truth is everyone's opinion of me is really just a reflection of who they are. Yeah. So if, if you have a reflection, that's something other than love, then there's just some insecurities inside of you that you haven't found yet. And, you know, you'll, it'll figure it out. I'm a firm believer in the law of attraction. So whatever you have that you might need to get to the root cause of it, you'll attract enough of it. You'll see it. Um, I love you regardless, no matter what. I, I respect everyone's opinion. I don't take it to heart. And I recognize when people have opinions, um, that's about them and not about me. You know, I said something actually yesterday it's about the motive of the heart. So I could be getting dressed in the morning, put on a crop top so that, you know, my stomach is showing some 
really short shorts so that, you know, they're clear up to my butt cheeks because I don't feel super important or valued. And I just want people to look at me and think that I'm beautiful or that I'm sexy or I want to be wanted. So I'm going to dress like this so I can get the attention so that it makes me feel important. And I could also put that same outfit on with the mindset of, oh my gosh, I love this top. And man, I have worked my ass off for this body. And I'm so glad that I get to wear clothes like this and be confident in it. I don't need anybody's opinion to tell me how valuable I am. I know how valuable I am. So you can wear the same outfit with two different mindsets. One is just out of confidence because you love it. And one is out of neediness because you're hoping it's going to give you the results that you can't give yourself. Hmm. So I think no matter what you do, people are going to have opinions, but when you can be healed and emotionally healthy, you can always love people no matter what their opinions are. Cause you know, it has nothing to do with you. It's all about their own, you know, what I don't want to call it shortcoming. I don't want to call it anything negative because we're all growing, we're all learning, but it's not about you. It's, it's only a reflection of what they have going on on the inside of them. Did you have a lot of, or any crabs in the bucket type people when you started your journey? Was oh, it- yes. Oh yes. There's still some, but you know, again, I'm a firm believer in the law of attraction and those people helped me to recognize insecurities that I had that I did not realize I had, you know, they, that little, um, uh, can you remember what else? The uh, imposter syndrome. You know, I had that when I first started. I'm like, who am I? How am I going to get out there and do this? There are other women been doing this for years. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I just, and then you know, it's like that intuitive voice was like, it doesn't matter. You lived it. You are walking proof that this works. People aren't looking for anything more than someone to say, hey, here's proof. It works. I've lived it. I'll show you how. And you've done it and it's given you freedom, not just in your own physical body, but mentally as well. So why wouldn't you share that? I had to tell myself that all the time. Um, Just simply because, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to use my experience and my freedom to help free others. And when those comments came across, sometimes I wanted to cry and sometimes it would make me feel horrible. But then I recognized, wait a minute, if that's making me feel bad, then there's a belief in me that it's true. Is it true? Because if it's not true, it wouldn't bother me. And so, yeah, I had it and, and I still have it. I had one just recently where someone made a comment, but now when I read them, Sometimes still at the first, you know, the first glance, I'm like, gosh, that's so mean. Why would they say that? And then I recognize, do I care what these people think about me? Because I know who I am. And the truth is, I don't care. I care about the people, but I don't care what they say about me. And if they have something that's not nice to say about me, then hopefully they recognize that it's truly a reflection of some truth in them. It really has nothing to do with me. Now, are these strangers or people, you know, they're leaving comments. Oh, they're strangers. Yeah. They're strangers. And it's, 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 it's a lot more rare now than it used to be. But I think that in life, even when we overcome things, 
we'll always have it come back into our experience just to make sure that we don't let it creep back in unknowingly. So for me, it was, I think the biggest one was being a people pleaser, not living my life authentically for who I was created to be because I was too busy, worried about what everyone else would think of me. So that's one of the largest things that I have had to start overcoming is, Hey, you're a good person. You love people regardless. It doesn't matter what anyone does. They have their own journey. And, you know, anybody that wants to judge you because you're living your own journey, that's not on you. That's on them. And that's totally okay. But you just have to keep telling yourself because we do live in a world where, you know, by nature, it's, hey, you know, you, I don't like what you're doing. It's not making me happy. So how about you go over there and act like this because you need to act like this to make me happy. And when you say it like that, it seems real obvious, but most people don't think of it that way. You know, like, Hey, you're driving too slow. You're in front of me. I'm in a hurry. I got to get to work. You mean, what do you mean? You didn't put on your blanket. I mean, angry, angry, angry. When the person in front of them has done nothing, but now you're in a rage over something that you have control over. It's your choice, whether you get angry about those things, it's your choice, whether you allow them to affect you. And so I think that in life, you know, every single day we'll have experiences to just help us stay grounded and recognize, you know, that really the only place of true peace and happiness is finding unconditional love for yourself and for everyone else, having no expectations, you know, not trying to manipulate situations to get things that you want. If it doesn't go the way that you want it, recognize that there's probably a good reason for it. And it's all going to work out for your good, even if it doesn't work out the way you expect it to happen. Yeah, I remember one time I was at work. This is probably like 2014. And I was working on something and it was just kept acting up. And I was like, this is going to be a bad day. And then I said to myself, why am I thinking this way? This is like one blip on the radar of my day. And if I have that mentality, it's going to carry on. It's yes. like, I'm going to start thinking everything is negative. And yes. it's like, I don't want that to infiltrate my mind. So it's like, yes. I think we can sometimes control our thoughts. And like, I think it's like, uh, I saw this thing one time, like your diet is just not what you consume. It's like who you hang out with, who you, what you read, yeah. what you listen to or whatever, whatever you're consuming starts becoming you. So if you're inundated with a lot of negativity or negative thoughts or people that are negative, you're going to have that belief. You know, that's why yeah. they say you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with. Like you generally want to hang around people that are doing well and, and uplifting. You don't want people that are negative and trying to bring you down or never have anything good to say. And like those people online that are trolling, it's like, how sad is your life that you're going to take time out of your day to try to make somebody feel bad? So do you want them to feel bad because you feel bad internally? Like, do yeah. you feel better once you left that comment? Did you win? Yeah. Well, and you know, like I've, I have, I have tried to perfect the art of loving even those people by recognizing that if the law of attraction is truly real, and I believe it's as real as the law of gravity, then I attracted this in some way. So even though I don't like what they said, there's something inside of me that wanted them to say it. So it could expose in me an area that I could grow. Or maybe they said it so that because I'm now coming from a place of unconditional love, I can show them that love 
and then let them see the path to it for themselves. And, you know, like a a friend of mine trying to explain this to him, he's like, okay, I get it. I get your like unconditional love, but like a murderer. I mean, you got to say that's bad, right? You have to say that what he did was wrong. And my explanation was no, actually I don't because the moment that I say he's wrong means now I have to judge him and I don't want to ever judge anyone. So no, I don't like what he did and what he did doesn't feel good to me, but he was created from the same source of love that I am. So who he is at his core is love. He has strayed away from that. And I hope that he finds his way back, but I will not stand in a place of judging him by calling him right or wrong. All I can say is that my love for him doesn't change no matter what he does. And I hope that one day he can find his way back to that same love. And that's it. And I try to look at every situation from those lenses because I don't know what that person went through. I mean, who's to say what his childhood was like, not to say that whoever he, you know, victimized was, it wasn't fair to that. I'm not saying that I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying that that person was created from love. We all are. If he has veered so far away that he's taken another life, something in his life caused him to feel like that's what he needed to do. And people go through trauma sometimes that no one knows about. And you judge the actions of these people as adults without taking into consideration what they may have gone through in their earlier years that just created this trigger point in them that we don't know about. So to judge them without really living in their shoes, I feel is not a place I don't ever, I I never want to be there. I always want to be open to love. I want to be a place that if they don't see love anywhere else, hopefully they'll see it in me and find their way back to it. So do you think some people are maybe born evil or is their environment that made them evil? I don't believe anyone is born evil. I believe, I don't believe Wow, I have to be very careful with my words. Don't believe anyone was born evil. Um, I'm not a religious person, person, but I am very spiritual. And I do believe that the universe, the creator of everything is as the Bible says, which is God is love and nothing more and nothing less. And I don't say this just from wisdom. I say this from experience. I've been through I've been through, if, if, if it's happened, it's happened to me. And I'm, I'm not going to glamorize all of the negative things that I've been through, but I didn't live with a silver spoon in my mouth. I went through plenty of trauma of my own, but going through the trauma, looking at the people who the world would say victimized me, I can understand that they didn't want to victimize me. I just happened to be the one in that place. My physical body was the one that took the hit. But going through all of the things that I've gone through, I see every single one of those people, I've seen them at their worst and I've seen them at their best. And at their best is when they're connected to their higher power, their source, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. But because of circumstances, situations, limiting beliefs, traumas of their own, they built up a wall. And it's it's kind of like God shines this light and you can be in that direct light, which means that, you know, you don't allow 
past hurts, traumas, or anything like that to overshadow you. Or, you know, some of us go through things and those things become like a, you know, one shadow between you and that source of power. And then eventually you become dark. If you don't heal from those things, now you have blocked the light. And when the light doesn't come through, the love doesn't come through. And if it's like anything else, if you plug a toaster in to the power source, you're going to toast the bread. But if you put the bread in and it's not connected to the power source, you're just going to keep getting bread. And if we're not connected to that source of love, that source of power, we don't have it to utilize here in this physical body. And, you know, unfortunately, because of the lives that people have lived, the experiences, sometimes those shadows just come in and block them. And that's why there are those of us who can do the internal work really get connected with that source, become, you know, as close to that source of love as what is available to everyone, but do it here in a physical form on earth so that they can see it. And then they can go, okay, let me start pulling away these shadows that are blocking me from my higher power so that I can get in that connection so that I can find that place of love and I can find that place of freedom and happiness uh, because that's what we're here for. Did it take you a long time to get to this point or were you always like this? You know, it's funny that you asked. Um, I was like this, I would say the majority of my life, just one scenario. I was sexually molested as a child. And I remember thinking, I felt really sorry for that man that he felt like that was what he needed to do in order to find happiness was to, you know, touch a child. I never looked at him in a negative light. I always just thought, wow, that's really sad. I didn't know it was wrong at first, but when I realized it was wrong, you know, I never had a negative feeling. So the majority of my life, I, I can't say that I had this much freedom, but I did have the freedom, but then I was in a very religious lifestyle. And within that religion, there were some things that um, made me believe a little bit differently than what I do now. It served me well in the time, but I started being a little judgmental of those who deal, who dealt with anxiety and depression because I had never experienced it. And it's funny, again, how the law of attraction will work. Because when that unconditional love gets blocked, whatever's blocking it, you will get to experience it so that you can remove that blockage. And when I went through, I had a head injury and I went through a divorce and going through the divorce was the darkest days of my life. For the first time ever, I had a panic attack. I had suicidal thoughts. I... I really didn't know. I would always say, you know, to myself, not to anyone else, but I would always say, I don't understand this. Like you can walk away from people that are talking to you in ways that are not nice. People are saying things to you that you don't like. You can get up and walk away. But when it's your own brain saying these things to you, you can't walk away. You can't get away from it. And trying to change your own thoughts sometimes is seems almost impossible. 
And so for a good year and a half, I lived in one of the darkest places of my entire life. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm still here based on how dark it was. And that's the truth. But I'm so grateful for that season because I will never, ever, ever again judge anyone for anxiety or depression because I know what it's like. I've been there and I can empathize in a way that I would have never been able to otherwise. So do you think that a lot of people that I guess come from the place where you were at, where they're judging people for that, just because we're judging people for being, you know, depressed or having anxiety or, you know, panic attacks or whatever, they're coming from a place of ignorance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you've ever experienced it, then you, you definitely would never judge someone for it ever. Now, when I see people, as a matter of fact, it's funny when I see people going through it, I actually get really excited. And I, and I say that I'm like, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but I am so excited for you because I had the biggest breakthrough of my entire life after my darkest days. So if you can hold on and you can do the internal work, find anything that brings you joy, happiness, peace, whatever resonates with you, whether it's books, podcasts, I mean, TikTok, believe it or not, was one of the things that set me the freest from just finding some joy in that. And it slowly but surely snowballed into one thing after another. And, and, you know, today I have a whole different mindset, but finding the paths of peace and following them. Sometimes it's like as thin as a piece of thread, but it eventually gets larger and larger until you look and you've got this highway of peace in front of you. And it's almost like it. No one can take it from you. So do you think you were blindsided by the divorce or the separation? And yes, then that, I was blind. And then yeah, that I, made it kind of spiral out because it didn't came from a place of like, what the fuck? It was definitely, um, I, I will I'll answer this and then I'll have to get off because I'm traveling to Atlanta. But I think for me, the divorce just, it wasn't a blind side because there were some things like I would say the last five years of my marriage were pretty rocky. And then the last two and a half years were pretty tumultuous. We were separated for two years. And so for, I just really and truly thought, okay, I'm a damn good wife. I did all of the things that I knew to be right. I, I was honest. I was loyal. I was all of the things I thought were the right good girl Christian things to do. Um, and, and it still didn't serve me. I, my husband still filed for divorce. He filed for divorce. And I just thought after two years of being separated that he would say, okay, I miss my family and I want to get, you know, this area of my life back in control so that I can have my family back. And when he made the decision contrary to that, it was, you know, for the first time I was like, what's wrong with me? Why was I not enough? Why couldn't he change for me? Why couldn't he make different decisions for me? Um, and, you know, I mean, I use the, all, all of the external I'm attractive. I've got a really good body. I mean, I'm loyal. And then I started going to the internal things of all the things you know, that I wasn't. And that's when it just became really apparent to me that I was looking for value in so many of the, you know, I was looking for value for my husband to validate me in value and no one can validate you in value except you. 
And just because he chose a different path doesn't mean that I'm not still valuable. So anyway, that's my doorbell. So I do have to cut this off so I can head out the door. We've got a, um, a show we've got to get to and we have literally two hours to get there. So, all right, well have a safe trip and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, me too. It was great talking to you guys. And maybe we can do it again. Yeah, I'd love that. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye.